God does more. He gives his people over then to foolish shepherds. That's the consequence for them rejecting the true shepherd. Now, it might sound very hard, this message, but it's in the scriptures. We're going through this book, and so, yeah, this is also the word of the Lord to us and reminding us where we come from. Not to go back to where we came from, but to live by the grace of God under his leadership, under his shepherding um, care. In this chapter, you can see the Lord gives his people, okay, I'm going to give you a lesson now from your history. Don't go back there. Don't reject your shepherd. He said, that's why the exile happened. (laughs) That's why my judgment came on you. He said, learn the lessons from the past, lest you repeat it. There's a heavy price to pay, he says to his people. There's a heavy price. You know that from your past. There's a heavy price to pay for rejecting the Lord as your shepherd and trading him in for something else more important in your life. Verses 4 through 17, that's what God does. He says, how can I, how, how can he best illustrate to the people what he wants to communicate about their history. We'll have Zechariah the prophet dress up like a shepherd. So it's kind of like a sign. This is a sign, or you could say a parable here, but definitely a message of the Lord coming through. It's a sign. First of all, he has to dress up like a true shepherd, right? He takes two staffs. Remember the two names of the staffs? Beauty and bonds. Think of the two Bs, beauty and bonds. And he describes that here. And then he acts the part of the foolish shepherd and speaks and acts on behalf behalf of the foolish shepherd. And in both these, the Lord gives his message through these signs, but it's to his covenant people. It's not to the world. It's to the church. It's to his people whom he prizes, whom he jealously loves. Don't go back there. Don't reject me. And so we see, first of all, the faithful shepherd, the true shepherd. That's what he plays here, that he plays that role. And in verses 4 through 6, before Zechariah acts out that role, God commissions him. He gives him a call. Okay, this is what you need to do. Zechariah is to act as a good shepherd. And the flock that he goes to represents God's people. So they're not literal sheep, not animals that go ba-ba, but these are sheep called God's people who belong to the shepherd. In verse 4, thus says the Lord my God, feed the flock for slaughter. They're on the way to slaughter. But God says nonetheless, feed them. Show my care for them. Show my protection for them. Show my love for them. Show that I really do want the best for them. Even on their way to slaughter that they are bringing upon themselves. In other words, by means of my covenant, by means of my word, care, tend a flock that's been branded for slaughter. The marks, the red marks are on them. Even those marked for slaughter to those suffering because of the fact they're rejecting the Lord. Even in the midst of that, God is just offering his grace. Offering his grace. And if you look at verses 5 and 6, it describes a situation. 
in which they were, that Zechariah now is to feed them. Verse 5. Three groups are mentioned here. If you look at verse 5. Three groups. There's the buyers, there's the sellers, and there's the shepherds. Those who own or buy them for the slaughter. Think of an auction barn. They buy them for slaughter. No feelings of guilt. They have their own purposes in mind for them. The leaders of Israel, the ones who sell them, who sell them to the foreigners, the leaders of Israel, they hide hide behind a mask of religion, of being pious, saying, praise the Lord, I'm going to get rich through these sheep. And what they're doing is they're leading, they're feeding the sheep for their own gain, for their own money, for their own prestige, for their own honor. They make no qualms of selling out the flock to foreigners for their own gain. And the shepherds refer to both of them. Either one, they're shepherds, right? The ones in Israel and the ones who they're selling to, the foreigners, the worthless shepherds. They're also shepherds. Both of them. The kings of Israel and Judah and to the foreign kings into whose hands now the sheep are being sold. This is the people of God I'm referring to here. What's the reason that God is doing this? Well, God is saying, this is what you want. You don't want me, so I'm giving you what you deserve. Verse 6, I will no longer pity the inhabitants of the land. God's people followed the bad leaders. Right? They wanted to hear something that would tickle their ears, as Timothy would say. Paul said to Timothy, they wanted something, they wanted to hear the voices that, that they really liked. They didn't want God's word. They wanted to hear the voices that was in the society around them. And the Lord had spared his people again and again, showing mercy to them again and again. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet since the time of Moses. But they had no feeling for the Lord. They had no desire to serve him, to obey his word. And now God's patience. Yeah, God's patience does run out too. He's extremely long-suffering. But there's a point he runs out of patience. He says, I will give everyone, see verse 6, I will give everyone into his neighbor's hands and to the hand of the king. They shall attack the land. He's referring to the Babylonians who attacked the land in 586 B.C. And I will not deliver them from their hand. In other words, God now has said, okay, I have to do what's best for them. I will hand them over. So that's his commission. So now Zacharias, you could say, goes on stage, but don't, don't think of it as actual stage, but now he goes to the people. And he says, now I want you to see where you come from. And... Don't, please don't reject the shepherd. And so Zechariah obeys God's commission, picturing the true shepherd, to remind them again why the exile happened, the exile that they had now come out of by the grace of God. Verse 7. So I fed the flock. I fed the flock for slaughter, in particular the poor of the flock. Poor here I think literally means the oppressed, probably the faithful ones. I took for myself two staffs. The one I called beauty and the other I called bonds. 
or I think in another translation has favor and union. Maybe that's a little simpler. And he says, I fed the flock. What did he do? He took care of them as a true shepherd. He saw to his welfare. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for the Lord because he had the Lord's purposes in mind. Giving the word to them. The two staffs are symbolic names. Literally it means favor and union. Favor or beauty was a symbol of the Lord's loving care, his protection of his people. He provided fellowship with himself in all the richness of his covenant. It was by grace that he had called them out from the nations and said, you're mine. Though you are no different from the other nations, my grace is on you. You belong to me. You're mine. That's what favor represented. That's beauty. That's the beauty of the relationship with the Lord. That's beauty. And the other one is union. When that beauty, when that beauty is there, when that relationship is there, what happens? There's harmony. There's union. There's unity. Union was a symbol of the unity that God brings. One flock, one shepherd. Think of John 10. And he passed the, the flock with both of these, both staffs in hand. Beautiful staffs, beautiful symbols. God's love and care. And yet, yeah, people were bored. They, 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 they just weren't that interested. They weren't making their relationship with the Lord a priority. They were not responding in repentance and faith despite all the the care that God, uh, you could say, showered upon them. They just, they wouldn't follow him. They wouldn't obey. And they refused the, the open hand, right? God was offering his open hand and he offered life. And finally in verses 89, God says, can you imagine? My soul was loathed with them. I was vomiting because just, reprehensible acts of the people. Their hearts weren't there for me. I loathed them. And he says, and you know what else? Their soul abhorred me. Like they were disgusted with me. They didn't put me first in their lives. They didn't obey me. And then I said, I will not feed you. That was the Lord speaking. I will not feed you. Let what is dying, die. What is perishing, Perish. Let those that are left eat each other's flesh. You don't want me? You don't get me. You're going to pay a heavy price. Throughout their history, they despise the Lord, right? By refusing his hand again and again. The Lord would hand out his hand and he, they would just slap it. They had no respect and honor. So finally the Lord said, I will no longer shepherd them. Let what is dying die. And so what did he do? He handed them over to the peoples that they really liked. He handed them over to Babylon. This resulted in Jerusalem being destroyed. Exile to Babylon. If you read Lamentations 2 verse 20, Lamentations 4 verse 10, those are laments, those are grieves, grieving psalms, you could say, about people being in exile. But they spoke of the women 
who cooked and ate their own offspring. That's how terrible the siege was of Jerusalem. How awful the hunger was during the siege of Jerusalem. The Lord fulfilled his word. The women, the mothers, eating their own sons, eating their own daughters, eating their neighbors. <coughs> Zechariah is reminding them, this is, this is where you come from. Can you imagine today? There you see the Lord's grace again to you. Yes. In this sermon of their history, what does Zechariah do? In light of all that, Zechariah says, and this is what happened. And what, he, what does he do? I took my staff beauty and I cut it in two. Maybe use an axe or a saw, I don't know. But he cut it in two. Why? What purpose? God said that I might break the covenant which I made with all the peoples. Peoples here means the peoples of Israel, all the tribes. Okay, they're sometimes called the peoples. Because that I might break the covenant, that I might break my relationship with them. And so it was broken on that day, it says here. Thus the poor of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. You know, the cutting of the staff beauty into two shows God removing his protection, his blessing from them because they rejected them. He, they rejected him. He removes, God, you could say, removes himself from them. His favor was cut off, and he gave them over to the nations. And yet, in the midst of it, there was this remnant, the poor, the faithful, that is, the oppressed of the flock. They knew, it says here, they knew it was the word of the Lord. But you know, you see that even in the midst of judgment, even the righteous suffer. But they knew. They heeded the, word, the voice of the Lord. They knew it. But they also suffered with the rest. In this sign, Zacharias portrays a shepherd who gave the flock the ultimatum. What does Zacharias say? As if he were a shepherd of the past. Relieve me of my ministry as shepherd. Or stop loathing, stop despising the Lord. In other words, if you're going to continue despising the Lord... Relieve me of my duties. Either that or stop despising the Lord. See verse 12. I said to them, if it's agreeable to you, give me my wages. If not, stop it. What did they choose to do? <laughs> it was a no-brainer for them. No discussion, no hesitation. Let's get rid of them. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. The true shepherd. They weighed out. For my wage is 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. And you think back, what was that the price of? If you look back to Exodus chapter 21, 32, that was the price one had to pay for an animal killing someone else's slave. Okay, for killing somebody else's slave, right? that was the price they had to pay. But whatever the value, whether it was little or high, makes no difference really, because by paying something is an insult to the Lord. Whether it was a lot of money or little money, because the insult is they didn't want him. They paid to get rid of him. 
They sold themselves out. They didn't want him. You know, no price tag can be put on the price Jesus paid to buy us. His blood, priceless. That's what God was working towards at that time. The Lord looked for a response of repentance, of love, of thankfulness. But they even paid. They paid money to get rid of this God in their lives. Give us our freedom to do what we want. Verse 13, the Lord says to Zechariah, throw it to the potter. That's what he wanted to act them before the people of Israel to show them their history. Throw that money to the potter. That princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. But you know what? They were happy. They were happy to get rid of that shepherd. They were happy to get rid of the word of God. They, they were elated. But in so doing, what did they do? They sold themselves. They sold themselves to another boss. Paying the heavy price for rejecting our Lord. The Lord's favor left them. And if his favor leaves them, what else happens? They scatter. Union breaks. A scattering takes place. See verse 14? Then, after he cut favor, he cut his other staff bonds in two. For what purpose? That I might break the brotherhood, the spiritual brotherhood of Judah and Israel. You know, the first sign explains why the exile came about, why the staff's favor and union, or you could say beauty and bonds, were broken. What a great price they had to pay for rejecting the Lord of the covenant, for not wanting his word in their lives. The covenant. And that brings us to this worthless shepherd, verses 15 through 17. In this sermon from history, what does Zachariah now, now do? He goes on the stage. He reminds him of what happened in the past. And now he switches roles. He becomes a foolish shepherd. What's a, what's a fool? A fool is one who despises the word of God. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then what's a fool? He has no regard for the word of God. That's, that's literally a fool by the Bible's definition. He pays no attention. Verse 15. The Lord said to me, Next, take for yourself the implements of a foolish shepherd. Notice that. No mention of staffs. No bonds. No beauty. Implements. Implements. Was it implements of cruelty? By rejecting the Lord your shepherd. Zechariah says, You gave yourselves to evil and to foolish shepherds, foreigners, foreign nations. You traded, God says, you traded me for this. And what do you get? You got the opposite of how I came to you all throughout your history, through my covenant. Verse 16, the opposite. I will raise up a shepherd of land and will not care for those, referring to the exile at that time, will not care for those who are cut off, not seek the young, 
nor heal those who are broken, nor feed those that stand. But he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear the hooves in pieces. Hardly sounds like shepherds. Sounds like lions. Not feeding, but eating. Not defending, but exploiting, hurting, devouring, taking, stealing. Yet in verse 17, in light of his covenant faithfulness, the Lord speaks of judgment that is coming because he's keeping his promise. He's going to keep his commitment to his people. He brings them through this. And he says, but I'm going to bring judgment and that's going to be coming on these foreign shepherds. And in their places, he's going to bring his true shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. See verse 17? Woe to the worthless shepherd. Ah, there's some glimmer of hope here, isn't there? Now he's bringing his woes on the worthless shepherd. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm will completely wither. His right eye shall be totally blinded. You know, God's judgment on the foolish shepherd's arm and eye. See that? Arm and eye. What does the shepherd need? He needs his arm to guide. He needs his eye to watch. And God's going to bring judgment on the eye and the arm of the foolish shepherd. In their place, he promises to bring his shepherd. He's the one who gathers his lambs in his arms. That's the one he will provide. That's the one his people really need. Isaiah 40, 11. And with his eye, his all-seeing eye, he seeks for his sheep. Ezekiel 34, verse 11. You know, this passage here, you can make a direct line to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fulfilled, especially verse 17. God fulfills his judgment in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was rejected on our behalf so that we might be forever accepted by the Lord. He has come. This shepherd, God has raised from the dead, conquering sin, death, and hell. He has installed him now today as the shepherd king over all the earth, entire earth. And also he has given his Holy Spirit so that his people will obey. You know, today we have so much more than God's people did that back then. This same gospel, but we are far richer, aren't we? And with that, of course, comes a greater warning for God's people today. The warning is even bigger or greater. But so is the encouragement. The encouragement is greater and bigger for us today. Wow. But just to know that in Christ the shepherd, through his sacrifice, Christ was rejected and accepted in our place. That's what we need. These signed actions of Zechariah, first of all, then serve as God's warning to us today too. Scripture is scripture, so it's very relevant for us today, even this passage, which may in some way say, well, what, how does that apply? What applies? We might be horrified if this were put on a movie, watching a movie of survivors eating loved ones and neighbors. But these horrible signs really vividly, powerfully show what happens when a society rejects God. Do you see it? Do you hear the cries and the murmurs in the society around us? 
This is what happens. Horrific, tragic consequences of rejecting God. All the horrible things. Things that every day again we say, what? What? They're happening in our culture. And these are all evidences of people having left God. More than that is evidences that God's judgment has come upon our nation. It's there. It's, we're not asking God to stay. We're not asking God that he won't judge the nation. The judgment has come. Romans 1 tells us that those who reject God as their shepherd, he gives them over to the terrible consequences. And you see that. Verse 26, he gives them over to the terrible consequences of their choice, to uncleanness. Verse 24 is very clear. To vile passions. Women not going after men, men not going after women, women after women, men after men. God gives them over. It's God who gives them over to vile passions. And to a debased mind, 28. Three times in Romans 1, it says God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. Your shepherd. Heavy price to pay. It can easily happen. It can so easily happen. And it can happen within one generation within the church, within Christian families. It begins very slowly, step by step, leaving Christ. Leaving Christ. One of the main evidences of leaving Christ is not coming to worship on the Lord's day. That's one of the main evidences. That's where it begins. Remember the Lord's Day Act was scrapped in the 1990s? And ever since then, it begins little by little, a little more, a little more, a little more, and no more. You know, it's a form of rejection. The rejection, not just of your fellow members, but it's a rejection of your shepherd. The Lord your shepherd. His care, his love, who brought you, or who bought you with his blood, who brought you into his flock. That's what Jesus does. He brings us into his flock. He's a good shepherd. He always does what is best for his sheep. Don't wander from him. Don't stray from him. Don't despise his glory, his riches in Christ. These sign actions of Zechariah drive home the horror of sin and judgment. You know, I think the temptation is always there to sacrifice and sell Christ for 30 pieces of silver for personal gain, for personal pleasure, whatever that may be, put them on the back burner, kick them to the side. The one who bought you with his blood. Second, that's the warning there. But second, there's a great encouragement. Know that in the midst of all this, horrific signs around us, you can sing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall lack nothing. John 10, 
Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. There's nobody else. I, I am. He's the Yahweh. He's the God who reveals himself to Moses. I am who I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives us life for the sheep. But what happened when the good shepherd came? Oh, it happened again. The same pattern whereby God's people despised and rejected God as their shepherd in the Old Testament is repeated in Matthew 27. Look at Matthew 27. There again, you see the good shepherd was betrayed, rejected, and handed over. For how many pieces of silver? 30. See the connection to Zechariah chapter 11? The Son of God, the true shepherd of the sheep, came to bring forgiveness, came to restore his people to life and fellowship with God, to bring favor and unity, double staff shepherd, beauty and bonds, rejected, betrayed, sold for the sake. Again, and here's the, here's the beauty. He did it for the sake of his sheep. There's the connection there. He's a different kind of shepherd king. Zechariah 12 through 14, which you hope to see, prophesies that he would be struck and killed, not because he deserved it, but to bring forgiveness for the sins of his people. That's why he went through this. This is why he was rejected. He did that in our place so that he could bring forgiveness to his people, to all who trust in him. And so, if you are asked by the world, where is your salvation? Your blessedness? Your righteousness? You can never point to yourself. Point to the one, the true shepherd who gave his life, the one who was crucified and risen. He's the one who grants you salvation, blessedness, righteousness through faith in him. That's what God was doing here. Don't reject your shepherd. Turn to him. Believe in him. Trust in him. How does Jesus shepherd his people today? Well, he's in heaven, no doubt. The crucified, risen Lord is in heaven. He's king. We are on earth. But how does he do it? Jesus says in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Those who belong to him, Listen to him. They hear what he has to say. They listen. They obey, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given. He's even given us his spirit so that we can follow in his ways. So he doesn't have to reject us again. He's given us all the resources to follow him. And yes, sometimes it will be costly to do so. Or when it goes against what society thinks is normal. We need a spirit, don't we? If we leave the shepherd, it's not that we have no shepherd. But what happens is if we leave the shepherd, we trade him for something worse. Far worse. A foolish, worthless shepherd. And it comes down to this choice. It comes, this, comes down to this choice. Which shepherd will you follow? The good or the worthless? It can't be both. It's either one or the other. You're either in his flock 
or outside of his flock. That's really the message that Zechariah was giving to his people, God's people. That's really the message God's giving to us as well. Trusting Jesus means that we trust what Jesus says in all things. Through his word, your shepherd guides, protects, and feeds you. That really is the way of eternal life. This is the way. He is the way of eternal life. The way of blessing for you, for your family, for your children, for this church. Yes, favor and union will be with you. You know what? Sometimes we might get worried. Don't worry. Just be on guard. And don't go with the flow of society. Walk with Christ. Stick to him. Stick to his word. He's given us a spirit for that. Favor and union is with you. The enemy can never take you away. He can never destroy you in Christ. And that's why it's to him that all the glory is given. Amen.